Well, a gentleman was driving when he went past one of those um, automated speed traps that sit on the side of the road and, and take your picture if you're speeding. And as he drove by, he saw the flash of the camera, but he looked down right away, he realized he wasn't speeding. And he thought, what was that? He was a little unsure, so he just went around the block and he came past it again, a little slower this time, and it flashed again. And he's like, I can't believe that. That stupid speed trap is taking my picture. He went around the corner, he came by again, even slower, and sure enough, it flashed a third time. And so he thought, this crazy machine is broken. He goes, they're gonna figure this out, but he decided to have a little fun. He drove by one more time, and this time he drove by at a snail's pace, smiling and waving at the camera. And two weeks later, he got four tickets for not wearing his seatbelt. They're trying to trap Jesus this week. This is the last week in the life of Jesus, and they are just really turning up the heat on him, trying to trap him in something he says. Now, when it comes to the crowds, Jesus is widely popular. But when it comes to those religious leaders, they are under threat of Jesus. They have had enough of him. They want him dead. Jesus has been exposing their false teaching. He's been exposing their false theology. He has been exposing their false lifestyles. And they have become very confrontational with him. And the more confrontational they become with Jesus, the more combative he has become. He is going to have a few things to say today, but they're not giving up. Jesus has masterfully navigated every trick they have thrown at him. And today they're just going to try to make Jesus look stupid. There's a new group today that's going to attack. We're in Luke chapter 20, starting with verse 27. Here we go. Some of the Sadducees, who say there is no resurrection, came to Jesus with a question. Now, let me stop here for a moment. Some of the Sadducees. <laughs> Some of you have never heard of the Sadducees before. Uh, it's not a disease. You'll never go to a doctor and have him say, I'm sorry, you got Sadducees. It is a religious group, a group of leaders. They were very wealthy. They were very powerful. They ran the money situation in the temple. You might remember just a couple days ago when Jesus entered the temple, he drove out all those money changers. That would have been part of their world. They had literally corrupted the temple operation because of money. They had a monopoly on the high priest position. They held the bulk of the seats in the Sanhedrin. They only followed the first five books of the Bible. Now, we're just talking about the Old Testament back then, but, but all the rest of the Old Testament, they didn't follow. Just the first five books. Why? Because those were the books of Moses. And they considered themselves purist because they just followed Moses' writings. That's why they say, teacher, Moses wrote for us that if a man's brother dies and leaves a wife but no children, then his brother must marry the widow and raise up offspring for his brother. <gasps> if you're married to a man and your man dies and you have no children, your husband's brother was supposed to step in and marry you. And there are women right now in this room going, gross. I barely like my husband. I certainly don't want to marry his brother. And this was part of the teaching back then. Where does it come from? It does come from the book of Moses. Deuteronomy chapter 25, 
God is sending all of his people, the, the Israelites, into the promised land. And when they take the promised land, all those properties will be divided up. And they'll be divided up among clans and tribes and among family members. And to make sure that those property rights stay within certain families' names, God initiated this law, this rule. But it was also his way of providing for a woman. Ladies, we are deeply uh, ingrained in a male society at this point. And if a woman's husband died and she had no children to care for her, she was often uh, just cast off. And God said, that's not what I want to happen. Her husband's family should step in and take care of this. This is the basis that the Sadducees are going to try to trap Jesus with, this Old Testament law. Verse, third, uh, verse 29, now the Sadducees say to Jesus, there were seven brothers. The first one married a woman and died childless. The second brother married her, he dies. The third one marries her, he dies. And in the same way, all seven marry her and die, leaving no children behind. And men right now are thinking, warning, black widow. <laughs> all married the same woman and all die? How would you have liked to have been the seventh brother? I'm not marrying her. <laughs> oh, my goodness. How did they come up with this? Finally, the woman died too. About time. Who knows how many lives were saved by that? Now, here's their question. Now then, in the resurrection, whose wife will she be since all seven were married to her? Oh, my goodness. You can almost see the smirks on their face. You can almost see the giggles as they're elbowing each other. We got them on this one. We got them here. This question is designed to prove how ridiculous it is to believe in the resurrection. That the resurrection is a joke. It's absurd. Who would buy into that? And we live in a world who's trying to do the same thing to you. They don't want you to believe in a resurrection. There is no life after death. And you're bombarded with it constantly in the media, on television, within movies, by liberals who do not hold tight to any of that. Just constant barrage. There is nothing after this. That's why we eat, drink, and be merry. Do whatever you want to do. Live any lifestyle you want to live. Well, that's where they're coming from. They think they've got Jesus now. There's no answer to this question. Or is there? Well, Jesus has one. Verse 34, Jesus replied, The people of this age marry and are given in marriage. But those who are considered worthy of taking part in the age to come and in the resurrection from the dead will neither marry nor be given in marriage. And they can no longer die, for they are like the angels. They are God's children, since they are children of the resurrection. And we have newcomers here today. You have never heard this passage before. This is just blowing you away right now. What? Did Jesus just say there's no marriage in heaven? That's what he said. And there are people in this room. Right now, you're sitting there. You, you are so sad to think of that. <laughs> and then there are others. We're kind of comforted by this. Not, not we. <laughs> they are comforted by that. I, sad. I'm sad. <laughs> I 
oh, no dinner for Ron today. Okay. <laughs> you know what? She's going to giggle when she hears this story. For years, uh, Bonnie and I ran into the same old preacher up in Michigan at conferences, uh, Mel Harold. Oh, my goodness. And Mel Harold loved Bonnie. He'd come up, he'd give her the biggest hug, and then he'd look at me and he'd go, are you still with this guy? And she'd say, yeah. And, and then it was always the same thing, year after year. He'd grab her by the shoulders and he'd say, now listen. He says, in, in heaven there is no marriage, and one day you'll be rid of this sucker. <laughs> and Bonnie would always respond, come, Lord Jesus, come. You know, it, <laughs> there's no marriage in heaven. Are you kidding me? Because for some of us, and I'm going to shoot real straight here. You're going to have to, some of you are not going to like this. You're just going to have to show me grace today. Because for many of us, the most pleasurable thing we know is this intimacy between a husband and a wife. And we just can't imagine a heaven that doesn't have that much pleasure. And I want you to know that whatever is there is going to be so much greater than any pleasure you've ever known on earth, ever. The, the utopia that is waiting for you in heaven will far surpass any relationship you've ever had here on earth. You're not going to be missing anything there. If Jesus' words are right, and I believe they are, then it means the Mormons are wrong. The Mormons teach that they'll have celestial sex forever, and women will always be pregnant forever, and you'll give birth to other worlds and other gods, and they're wrong. If Jesus is right, and I believe he is, then it means the Muslims are wrong. You do not get 70 virgins uh, there that, you, that will pleasure you for all eternity. If Jesus is right, and I believe he is. There's more to this story that comes out of Matthew's account of this story. Uh, Matthew's account adds something that I think is very important here. It's a little bit more of Jesus' words. Matthew 22, verse 29, Jesus also said to these Sadducees, you are mistaken in not understanding the scripture or the power of God. Oh my goodness, what a slap in the face. Jesus is about to come straight at these guys with the five books that they believe in the most. And he's saying, you didn't, you missed something. You don't understand something. And you certainly have underestimated God. If God has the ability to create us in the beginning into weaving us together and making us in our womb, then God certainly has the power to raise us up at the end from a dead state. You've totally underestimated his power. And you've under, you have not understood all the scripture. Jesus has an answer for this. You ready? Verse 37. Jesus then said, but in the account of the burning bush, oh, they love the story of the burning bush. Even Moses, oh, they love the story of Moses. Moses showed that the dead that the dead do rise. For he calls the Lord, the God of Abraham and the God of Isaac and the God of Jacob. For he is not the God of the dead, but of the living, for to him all are alive. Do you know what Jesus is quoting here to give proof to the resurrection? When Moses goes up to the burning bush, he hears God's voice. And Moses asks, who is this? And God identifies himself. Now catch this. He says, I am the God of Abraham. I am the God of Isaac. I am the God of Jacob. Those three guys are already dead. Isn't it interesting that God uses a present tense there? He 
He doesn't say, I was the God of Abraham. He says, no, I am. I am. And these Sadducees had totally missed that part. They knew that verse upside down, but they had missed it. From our perspective, people might, might be dead. From God's perspective, they're very much alive. And Jesus would have been the only expert to tell us what happens after we die. He came from heaven, you might want to remember. A little later on, he'll give absolute proof to the resurrection by doing it himself. John MacArthur writes the following. The idea of life after death has been around since the dawn of man. It beats in the heart of every culture, and history proves it. In the most ancient of civilizations, in the most ancient of people, go all the way back to the Egyptians in their Book of the Dead. Pharaohs buried boats with them to sail through the afterlife. Ancient Greeks often buried their dead with a silver coin in their mouth to pay the fare across the Mystic River. Even American Indians would bury their dead with a bow and an arrow and sometimes even a pony so they could use those in the happy hunting grounds. Norsemen buried armor and horses with their dead so that they could carry on in the afterlife. In Greenland, dead native children were sometimes buried with a dog to accompany them through the afterlife. Humanity has always felt the pull of the afterlife. Somewhere deep inside your heart, when you stand at the grave of a loved one, something tells you they're not very far away. Where does that come from? Why do you feel that? Would it surprise you to know that God put that there in your heart? Ecclesiastes chapter 3, verse 11. God has also set eternity in the heart of people. In your heart, God has placed this idea of eternity right there. To deny that feeling ultimately, ultimately leads to you denying God. It's right inside of you. Something tells you there's something more. Most people believe that this life is not all there is. The Jews were no different. Wouldn't you know that the Sadducees cast off the very scriptures that did talk about the afterlife? Clearly. The rest of the Jews would have had these verses. That's why they believed in the afterlife. Psalm 49, 15. But God will redeem me from the realm of the dead. He will surely take me to himself. Our favorite psalm. Psalm 23 that David writes ends with, Surely goodness and love will follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Daniel chapter 12, verse 2. Multitudes who sleep in the dust of the earth will awake, some to everlasting life, others to shame and everlasting contempt. Isaiah 26 says the same thing. Hosea 6 says the same thing. The Jews had this confidence. Jesus also had this confidence. This was his answer to the Sadducees. You have not understood the scripture. There really is a resurrection, and he will give proof to it in just a few days. The Pharisees who were there and the other teachers of the law, they really liked his answer. Verse 39, some of the teachers of the law responded, well said, teacher. Wow, a compliment. How unlike these guys. But I love verse 40. And no one dared to ask him any more questions. Yeah, you bet they didn't. 
Nobody wants to play Bible Jeopardy with Jesus. <laughs> Jesus completely dismantled these guys. Do you understand that? Every trap they set and trap after trap came back with no catch to show for it. Question after question they threw at Jesus and never received anything but heavenly wisdom. Scrutiny after scrutiny they laid on him and not one flaw was ever discovered, not one. You look at me, you look at me long enough and hard enough, you'll find some flaws. Two. You're going to find flaws. Look at the person next to you. And I, I mean, go ahead. I know some of you are sitting by your wives and stuff. It's okay. Look at them. If you look at them long enough and, and hard enough, you're going to find flaws. All right? L look at Jesus. No flaws. No faults. No errors. No matter how carefully you scrutinize his teaching, no matter how long you question his actions, no matter how hard you study his life searching for a flaw, you come up empty-handed again and again and again. And that's why Luke shares all of these questions with us, the traps they tried to set, and not one was ever, ever sprung. And if he could do all that, and he tells you the resurrection is true, you can count on it. What is our conclusion in all of this today? Well, Jesus affirms the promise of God that there is a resurrection. You will be resurrected. You will live forever in one of two places. You can trust this. Oh, but Ron, isn't that a narrow, little bit narrow-minded? <laughs> yeah. But I can afford to be narrow-minded. The one I follow beat death and came back from the grave alive. Yeah, but Ron, I always thought, I, I love it when it starts out, I always thought that when you die, you're a candle burning one minute and then poof, you just go out. You just kind of go into non-existence. Really? Who cares what you think? I mean, are you connected to deity somehow that I'm unaware of? Have you been to the other side and come back to tell us what it's like? No. And there are people right now who are listening to me, and I want to say this. We love that you're coming here. I love that you're investigating Christianity. You should investigate it closely. But listen to me clearly. You, you can count on your own conclusions in all of this matter, but that would be a mistake. We have someone who's been to the other side. We have someone who came back and told us what's right and what's real. And just as God said to Moses thousands of years before, I am the God of Abraham. Jesus says in John chapter 11, verse 25, I am the resurrection and the life. The one who believes in me will live even though they die. That's a promise. Jesus is saying that you can trust that this really happens. Heaven, it's real. Eternal life, 
It's real. Everlasting joy, real. Resurrection, absolutely real. And all you have to do to have all of that is to connect your life to Jesus Christ, period.